Good morning, vendors and non-vendors alike, and welcome to the Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, Book One Air continues with Chapter 8, When Extremes Meet. Tarlock's Task Force is back in play, the new Team Avatar makes its public debut, and the bending rules have changed. We will meet again, beautiful woman. Here's Matt, Dave, and Devendra. Hello, welcome back to Republic City Dispatch. Uh, we have a new episode on our hands after after an off week, um, but thanks everyone for checking out that bonus episode. I thought that went really well. Um, but now we have When Extremes Meet, a fantastic episode. Uh, I'm Matt Patches, and with me as always is Dave with a seven. That would be me. And uh, Devendra Hardwar. Hello, hello. So, guys, I think we should just jump right into it. This was a crazy episode. Dave, as Dave put it in our pre-show banter, it was pretty straightforward as to what happened, but, like, a lot happened. Um, yes. the, the show took a giant leap forward after uh, mysteries were unveiled in the world of Korra. You know, we're done with pro-bending. We, we know that Asami and her father, that mystery has been solved in some respects, and now we're really amping things up with the major conflict. And but when, why don't we uh, summarize first, Dave? All right, all right. I'll do this really <laughs> fast. Uh, so Asami, Mako, Bolin, and Pabu have moved to the Air Temple Island, and Tenzen and Korra go watch the introduction of Sai Khan as the new uh, police chief, only to discover that Sai Khan is ridiculously pro-Tarlock and his tax force. And uh, so he and Korra and uh, Tenzin sort of have this face-off with Tarlock, where Korra refuses to join his task force. And instead forms, you know, the new team avatar with Asami, Mako, and Bolin. And they capture some equalist escapees, which really pisses off Tarlock and gets him to enact a new curfew and a series of anti-equalist laws that seem totally unfair to non-benders. So when Tarlock rounds up a bunch of seemingly innocent people and uh, Korra and team avatar tries to interfere... Uh, Tarlock arrests Mako, Asami, and Bolin, and uh, the next day, when Tenzin is unable to get them out immediately, uh, Korra confronts Tarlock in his office. It doesn't go well, and uh, we <laughs> learn that Tarlock is a bloodbender that is not limited by the full moon, and he captures Korra and starts to drive her out of Republic City. It's a lot like Footloose. If I'm reading that correctly. Exactly yeah, yeah. like Footloose, except no. What? <laughs> you know, the curfews. That's literally the only thing, I think. Um, also, I love that Tarlock is perfectly okay with beating up like a 16-year-old. Yeah, he's fine. He he's has also no bringing back dancing to, uh, to Republic <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's been outlawed. Um, I thought this was a great episode. And, f- of course, we, we move the plot forward in such a big way. But stepping back and kind of like kicking it off with... Uh, everybody coming to the air temple is what really mm-hmm. I was so like happy about that. I saw I've seen people kind of complaining about like why are there so many air temple people on the island? That makes no sense. And even little things like oh, it's air temple acolytes yeah. is really is really a neat concept. Like I just feel that um, the writers of the show are just filling all the little gaps. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a very interesting way. Yes, I mean, through Ricky, are- we now know how many trees there are on air temple island. <laughs> it is now now canon. If if I you don't it. remember that number, you are not a fan. I will guarantee that. it. Aren't they? So they're sort of like rebuilding the uh, the place where Aang used to live and right. where he was training, right? So that that kind of makes sense to me. It makes sense to have a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, they need to carry the heavy things. You can't. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> got to do it. I kind of love how in that introduction we finally get like a full anime. Uh, I don't know emotion stuff like when, uh, two. We get two of them. We get two of those. Like the the one where she's like, "Oh, did you know Cora likes 
uh, Mako, and we have the crazy explosion face, and then we have the other one with the uh, with the younger girl later. Yeah, it's uh, it's like fun demon to see. face. I see. I yeah. was gonna I was gonna like sort of. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess give <laughs> negative points to the episode for having those two so close together. Um, it's only because it seems interesting stylistically when they decide to use it, and it yeah, seemed yeah. like, you know, I I think the emotion of uh, I'm not sure why we needed to see it with Icky, just because I think the emotion of the Cora one was just hilarious. <laughs> but uh, why, you know, there needs to be like this cattiness amongst the girls uh, yeah. in Air Temple Island, I didn't really get. But I mean, it's also one of those stylistic things. Like it's not cattiness. It's not I mean, cattiness. It's it's more it's, like anger. Yeah, frustration. But I mean, frustration at not being involved in you know other people's business. <laughs> like I, it's it seems she is I, a nosy I, little girl. So that's that's what made it funny. But I guess, I guess like yeah, it is weird that they were so close together. But this this episode moved so quickly, right? They didn't yeah. have room to put it anywhere else. Well, I mean, it felt kind of it felt kind of Scott Pilgrimish to like be like when it's about personal relationships, yeah, we need yeah. to be really over the top with how these people are feeling. But or it, it wasn't. Be. No, this was not like that because this was too. This was like a sister thing between Cora and Icky, mm-hmm. I think, or Icky. Um, I, I I loved it. I thought it was really playful. I did. I was very curious. Like I had liked that dynamic. I don't know what the impetus for um having the really over stylized use of that because it's it's so infrequent in the show um and i think this was the first time they've used actual footage this was they used real fire in the background when they (laughs) when they cut to cora and i'm like oh wow it's actual shot footage but uh, yeah i don't know i like that they can play with any style and integrate it into cora um but i didn't really understand i guess that's a nod to the anime fans i mean it's more of like (laughs) a manga manga yeah. Uh, trope in the first place like that sort of over exaggeration of the characters facial expressions and uh occasionally you know completely anthropomorphizing them as some other creature um but i mean I, it totally worked like the cora asami mm-hmm. uh moment was totally worth it like a laugh out loud moment it was just yeah. weird having those two so close together and then not ever going back to it and asami's so cool about it too <laughs> yes. I'm, you know what i think i'm finally I was chatting with my girlfriend after we watched the episode, and, I'm like, and I told her that for a while we all believed Asami was bad. Um, and uh, Dave, I know last week you still kind of think that maybe there's some hidden secrets there with Asami. I'm starting to think that that is not going to be the case. I think we're too far into the show to have like a weird reveal with Asami. There's too much other stuff going on, especially considering the ending of this episode, um, and we'll get there. But I, I, I think Asami's on Team Avatar for realsies. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's ev- most everything that I said over the past three weeks, uh, we should probably <laughs> discount. Well, no, well I mean, you did lot- have one comment, which when you saw Asami drive that car uh, last episode, you knew that was coming back. And that came back. Yes. Yeah. Big way. She drives with one hand unless she's, you know, doing really crazy racetrack stuff because yeah. she just, with- you know, cruises around Republic City. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, I sort of another interesting. You know, I'm not gonna you know count it off too much, but yeah, all Sadomobiles have police scanners in them. That makes complete sense. Let's just sell these, let's just sell these to the public. No, no, only no, no, only Mister Sados. Yeah, had police scanners. Although, is she that dumb not to think <laughs> maybe there's something going on here at that point? That's weird. Why would he want that? That's that's really weird, guys. Also, um, she had no idea Cora was into Mako before. Is she that dumb? Like that—that's the things that kind of 
Uh, I found a well, little I like how she episode. she wasn't completely aware, or however that was phrased. Yeah, was she's not. That, she, that's not dumb. That's just her. I, she knows. She obviously knows, but she doesn't want to acknowledge it because she's a nice gal, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm now gonna jump on the Asami Milo ship. That seems like the ship for me. Uh, from you know, wanting her hair to we will meet again. I'm not a huge fan of the fart bending. Oh but, yes, you know, I uh, I wanted to know how that that went over for you guys. I that was a weird bit of physical it's comedy. Fine. It's fine. That kid is weird looking. Every time you see him, there's like a fart joke waiting to happen. I know. So it's like, come on. I'm not sure the original. I'm trying to think back to the original series if they ever went <laughs> as far as fart jokes. I love why well, I love the Air Temple kids. Um, Janora, Icky, and Milo is I just I think that's the old school airbender humor and a great way to get into it because the show is so serious and so mature now and you know through, if it's not Bolin it's the kids and I love having them around I loved being on Airbender Island for a while um, but the fart joke fart bending that's pretty <laughs> yeah yeah I was just like oh they went there yep. oh they're gonna keep going there because that that. <laughs> Part sound cue is ever present in the first assembly of Team Avatar uh, version two. The, the one thing I wanted to mention before we get away from Asami too much, um, there's a scene when you know they're when Team Avatar two is patrolling Republic City. They're driving around, they're cruising, they're fighting crime. It's great. Um, but there's a scene where she sees Korra and Mako hop into the back, and she get, she shoots him a little glance in the rearview yeah. mirror. It's a narrow. Eye. And I'm like, where is this gonna go? Yeah, yeah. Is this going to be a thing? I don't know if I want it to be necessarily. <laughs> I like, I don't know I, if I need to explore this triangle. I'm I'm starting to be content with Mako and Asami just like being a thing that will always be a thing. But like it's inevitable though. Like it's inevitable drama. You have these characters bundled together, especially if Asami's part of the team now, right? But didn't we didn't we conquer that issue in the in the relationship? You know, we had a whole episode dedicated it to it. between Korra and Mako, but Asami didn't have a say. Hmm. So now it's time for her to say, I guess. So if Asami is evil in any way, it's on a relationship level. <laughs> yeah, just as the other stunningly beautiful woman. Another thing, you know, to, you know, give a, a high five to our women listening audience. Uh, Emily was very nice to bring up that in the spirit of competition, uh, Bolin manages to uh, compliment Korra without saying that she's pretty. And meanwhile, the only thing anyone can say about Asami is how drop-dead gorgeous she is. Yeah. So, there's, so we have a little feminist parallel there. So that's that's definitely there. But I mean, it's interesting because the end of the season's kind of shaping up and it looks like we're going to leave a lot of character dynamics um, unresolved. Only because in the traditional you know, hero's journey... She goes away and figures out what makes her special, and she will only come back to Republic City when she needs to fight the final fight. Um, that's just completely based on tropes. So I'm wondering if stuff like Mako and Bolin's parents, and uh, you know Asami's relationship, uh, or um, you know more of the Bifong family. Actually, I know I think we'll get more of that, but I'm, I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what gets pushed into season two now that we're starting to get an idea of where the rest of the book one is going to end up um do you where do, do you think she'll be gone for the rest you know we saw Cora kind of taken away and the idea is that she's not going to be returning to republic city anytime soon i mean where do you see that going i think that she's going to um well i mean we're going to 
jump ahead a little bit here. Um, We have two more single episodes, and it looks like they're going to do uh, the last two episodes on the 23rd at the same time. So it would seem that uh, she has... Next next week's going to be Out of the Past, which I imagine is our flashback-heavy episode. Um, And then this episode after that is supposed to be called Turning the Tides. So that's obviously... You know, where something face-offish happens. And then we get Skeletons in the Closet, which is the one that Zuko's most likely going to be in. And that's paired with Endgame. So maybe she's out of the city, you know, learning to get in contact with the spirit world and figuring out what skills she needs to return to Republic City with. Since Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm... Pretty much, I'm pretty sure she has no friends in Republic City. Like, even if she wanted to come and fight this war, like, it's been split into non-benders and benders, and they both have their evil leader now. So, I mean, there needs to be a third option, and the Avatar, you know, needs to be the Avatar for all peoples. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And Davindra, was there anything else in the beginning of this episode that struck you before we get into, the like, the big finale? Uh, not as such, although I, I do love the addition of the car. I love that we've finally gone gone full turkey with the the whole Batman theme. You know? Yeah, we were kind of talking before the show about um, Batman the animated series, the original, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and that really like the car stuff and the teaming up and working together, bending together to like kick butt. Um, that really reminded me of that show for some reason. Just like the mm. well executed, uh, the vibe of it. You know, the action we've lauded every episode it's always interesting it's always different but there was a certain vibe um i really have to say that the track team outdid themselves in that sequence i thought the music was just like epic in a way the chase sequence yeah and just Mm -hmm. thrilling beyond thrilling and uh, of course the animation is always so detailed like i love when they're going through the smoke cloud and every i can see asami i can see her glove still and it's also detailed and and we were talking too that batman the animated series when it first started um highly detailed Detailed. Really, the artistry there was kind mm-hmm. of insane for a, a show that was on, like, what, Fox or WB? Fox. Yeah, it was yeah. Fox. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, one of the things that made it really distinctive is they would start animating on black paper as opposed mm-hmm. to white paper. So mm-hmm. the first season huh. of Batman, the animated series, is this Art Deco size or style, but it's all painted on black. So instead of having no detail, you automatically have shadow, which is what allowed that to be such a dramatically crazy wow. series in its background. Well, then, then the interesting thing that we were discussing, too, was how it evolved and when it eventually went to the WB, they were like, why are we spending so much money animating this show? It's for children. <laughs> Let's make it look like Superman. Yeah, now there's like eight Ugh. lines and you have Batman. Um, which worked yeah. for them. It's still, it was a dramatically interesting show, but like... It reminded me too um, like the whole tone when when we see Legend of Korra get dark reminds me a lot of Gargoyles. Did you guys ever watch that show? Yeah. Very, like, very dark, very moody um, and just great animation too. And yeah, I love that show. I hope that's on DVD or Blu-ray at this point. Yeah, man, but I gotta revisit Gargoyles. Seriously, you gotta make that happen. Um, but yeah, I, I love the whole chase sequence too because... Um, I love the creative use of the powers. Like that's definitely a sign where, you know, if this were a tabletop RPG, <laughs> you know, you you would be throwing out some creative maneuvers there to like make this chase happen and I just love that mindset of putting together that whole sequence. Right, when they throw up the ramp or uh yeah. Yeah. I even Mako whips out a little electricity bending. Yep. there yep. which i yep. thought was was cool they do the dual ramps. I love uh when uh when Asami is driving, she pulls out with the glove thing to like uh, zap that one dude. Everyone gets it's a like moment. Stuff, 
yeah, stuff is happening really quickly all at the same time. Um, it feels like a really great action movie. Yeah, and I think geography is so important to that. Like, I mm-hmm. knew every – they would cut to different parts and or different mm-hmm. angles. Like, now we're on the biker, and now we're ahead of them, behind them. And it, the geography of that action scene is so well done. And Road warrior, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because, you know, the fight scenes have been – the the show is constantly appraised for the choreography of those fight scenes but um mm-hmm. here's a whole different kind of action scene and and just it's perfect and it's and it's still different than you know we saw a naga chase scene early in the series um and this still felt different i love having sadomobiles <laughs> they have they have their vehicle now and i love yeah. that uh, i mean we also got a really badass or if we can move into the second half of the episode in terms of action sequences, we finally get to see, you know, two people who are pro- professional benders uh, go at each other, which has mm-hmm. been a while. Uh, we've only seen this, like, boxing, light-on-your-foot, pro-bending style, um, or then the chi blockers, but the uh, the Tarlock mm. Korra showdown uh, with the weird water ball that he could throw ice spikes out of that goes into <laughs> Matrix time. That was I was like, really oh, cool. finally. And she's punching them. She's punching yeah. and breaking Her them. Her air skills are not good enough to dodge those yet. Yeah. Which I love that they I love that they actually mm-hmm. brought up that she's missing her connection to the spirit world. We should actually probably talk about that from the first mm-hmm. half of the episode. Tenzin comes out and basically says, you should have been listening to Republic City Dispatch episodes one and two. <laughs> you would have already gotten there and realized that you should have been air temp- temple training and meditating. And I think it's interesting that... Um, no one says the Avatar state. Uh, they just say that mm-hmm. Aang is trying to get in touch with her. Which kind of confirms uh, our speculation there. I mean, we were trying to figure out what exactly are these flashbacks that she's seeing. And from Tenzin's word, it's, I, I think we can be pretty sure that it's Aang's way of communicating with her. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that's sort of the show coming out and telling us things. Which, at first, when that scene was airing, I was like, oh, this is like this reeks of bad television writing where it's like i want them to just tell each other exactly what they're you know thinking so we could you know because obviously tenzin has some idea of what happened in the past but slowly as you know we went on and it was revealed that tarlock was the bloodbender i'm like oh wait apparently none of the rules apply unless they specifically tell us what the rules are so i was much more (laughs) forgiving of that scene in retrospect i think you have to do that i think we needed tenzin to say this is happening to you cora because she's not going to be able to get there on her own and she's a defeatist in the in the world of spirituality i mean she continually Mm -hmm. references the fact that the order of the white lotus thinks she is a terrible communicator and and is un incapable of meditating and entering the spirit world um and she's kind of, she feels the weight of that on her. She needs Tenzin to say something explicit like, this is important. You must do this. And um, I think it'll really drive her. And it's interesting now that she'll be on her own. You know, she'll have to do it alone and really mm-hmm. push herself. And I wonder how, uh, how she'll break through I that. Think, I think that if anything, she will not be doing it alone. Who would this she is d- when we're going to get our flood of... Aang's other children or Zuko's daughter. Or, okay. Uh, this is where, you know, the people who... First of all, I don't think that I think, you know, we've been in Republic City alone uh, for so long that we've forgotten that it's like it's the New York of that, you know, world. So people have a vague idea, I'm assuming, of what's happening in Republic City. So I'd be interested to see, you know, what um, she's being banished to the Yonkers of uh, (laughs) the Avatar world. (laughs) 
Essentially, or like if you think about, you know, to use the Star Wars parallel, she got booted off of Coruscant, and now she's going to have to go to Tatooine to find her, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, Dagobah, what is wrong with you? No, she has to go to Dagobah and find Yoda. (laughs) Oh, I don't think we're going to go that far. I think it's more she needs to find the person that knows about the past. I don't... That's where we're going to find Zuko, though. Some some dirty swamp somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, because I don't know exactly where, like, is she going to be locked up somewhere, or is she actually going to be thrown out on her journey? Why would she just be allowed to be to walk free i i yeah. could see this next episode really being like i'm in a prison now let me i, I might as well she just meditate yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> we we did call this right we called this she would be exactly this was me i just want to say yeah. this i always knew that she would be leaving republic of City. course yeah. i hope i'm yeah. right I, I guess we haven't proven that yet <laughs> so i shouldn't be bragging but uh I mean, we also have such a brief period of time that I'm starting to feel a lot better about our very early theory about Amon eventually coming to the side of the Avatar by the end of this season. Uh Um, Maybe not like a 100% team up, like they're all cool, but definitely if there's going to be a larger threat, I think it is the Benders and Tarlock uh, as opposed to, you know what, this is a good time to do the fan comment. Yes, I was just about to say, this is when things get pretty serious. (laughs) Yes, so this is, uh, we did a talkback thread on RepublicCityDispatch.com. It worked out really well for us, so we're going to do that every week now. Uh, As soon as the episode airs, come and uh, talk to each other in the comments. I'll jump in when I can, but mostly you guys have been doing great on your own. This comment's from AvatarFan93, who says, quote, I think you make an interesting comparison. Uh, Fascism and communism were two extremes that were diametrically opposed to each other. One of the core values of fascism, anti-leftism slash anti-communism. Yet they both employed violence and scare tactics to try to crush dissent and people who were not like them. Leading a, quote, revolution, unquote, of oppressed minorities certainly has a communist ring to it, uh, just as unjustifiably arresting people simply based on some suggestive criterion, being a Jew for the Nazis, being a non-bender for Tarlock, uh, claiming to rid it of society of some danger, smacks of fascist tactics. I believe that Breich has said that Korra is supposed to be more adult and possibly more political. Can't remember where off the top of my head. Maybe this is what they were talking about. We are seeing two extreme forms of government competing with each other for dominance in the city. Perhaps Korra will need to find some system that is in between. In other words, try to find a way to bring balance to the city and the nation. Um, I don't know if anyone else has this problem, but I sometimes forget the Republic City is part of a bigger nation, although it is the capital. How many times? That's the end of the comment, and it's amazing. How many times do they need to show maps? We need to remember you know, there's a whole <laughs> world. Um, I think I think he's on uh, or he or she is on target uh, saying that yeah. this is the uh, possibly more political stuff that Frank was talking about. Yeah, definitely. Um, what, what did what did you guys think of this? Is this uh, does this fit the the style, the tone? This was really serious. Like this really mm-hmm. scared the crap out of me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. When extremes meet the title, I think refers to Korra and Tarlock, but this comment made me really think that it is two very different forms of government. And not only that, but it's two forms of government that usually uh, take hold in a city that's falling apart uh, economically. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, everyone wants to research what happened to Germany after World War One. This would probably be a good time. Uh, but it's, yeah... Totally. I totally get that third level of uh, thematic development between the two political senses. I think it's really interesting because it's so gray. Like, everything in this show is so gray, whereas I felt that Avatar The Last Airbender was a real hero's journey. Like, cut and dry, Joseph Campbell, a hero with a thousand faces, uh, a book you should all read. Um, 
designed to be like that perfect hero's journey. And although we there were threats, they, we knew they would be defeated. Here's here's everything like wishy washy. Like, how do you solve this problem? It is a problem, and the way Tarlock is doing it scares us. Um, but is he completely wrong? No. Is Amon completely wrong? No. Is Korra wrong? No. It's just so like it's it's hard to swallow. Um, and but the way they've been executing it is quite perfect. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, it's been interesting because I went back and have been watching uh, Spot uh, Avatar, the last Airbender episodes, and um, especially stuff from the first season. It is amazing how this is just a completely different show on so many levels. Um, there's almost nothing innocent and childlike about it, and when it is, it almost feels like that's a, you know, that's the tension reliever we get at the beginning of each serious episode, but then each core episode has like done a slow 20 minute spiral into really, really serious issues. <laughs> and this one, they even completely forego an end credits card mm-hmm. uh, and instead just pan up to the moon to remind us that it is not full and that uh, Tarlock can blood bend regardless. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, can we get into that now? The you're, you're our avatar two line sent uh, chills yes, up my spine sure, as sure. uh you know, it, it was imagery from, uh, you know, Holocaust Nazism, like seeing everybody mm-hmm. kind of contained and um, just seeing someone scream out to her is so yeah. haunting. Speaking of that, too, like that 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 whole sequence with Tarlock, it's kind of making me see Amon in more of the light of like Magneto in the X-Men, because that's really how this is all coming down, right? Mm. Like he wanted the freedom for his people. Um, he wanted like to, even though Magneto was like arguing for the opposite, uh, what Aman is doing is basically, you know, that that argument uh, for the humans. So I don't know, and that's why I think he will end up joining up with, uh, you know, Kakora somehow at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting to me that both Aman and Tarlock, who are our leaders of these two movements, are people that are you know, have these special powers that are technically impossible. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Amon could take away people's bending and Tarlock at bloodbed apparently whenever he wants. Yeah. The new and charismatic so, leaders. Yeah. <laughs> with and, superpowers. And yeah. And they're like, they're essentially, you know, they show why, you know, having an avatar is much more about balance. It's not about being superpowered because now we have these other superpowered people that have no obligation to anybody to act in everybody's best interest so it'll be it'll be nice to see what the spirit world has to say about this because i imagine they are super pissed yeah i think that x-men uh comparison to avenger is pretty spot on or you can have my crazy theory (laughs) where tarlock is a mon now let me throw this out here so that everyone can be on my case um, I was just yammering on to Davindra before the show about why I think uh, Tarlock is a mon. Uh, you know, because he has this power, this bloodbending power, I, my imagination just took off. And I, we've been trying to figure out, like, how does a mon take away people's bending? Is he in touch with the spiritual side? Is, did someone grant him this power? Um, does he, in fact, actually have this power? Is it some sort of extended chi blocking? Who knows? Who knows? But my imagination, here it goes, bloodbending is somehow taking away their powers. 
so that mm. if Tarlock is a bloodbender, in fact, as we know he is, he can somehow take that or, or um, constrict it in some way through bloodbending. I have no idea how. I have absolutely yeah. no evidence. But the other... <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I could see that. The only reason I can't agree with you, Matt, is that it just seems too easy for a show that is constantly surprising us and just being very smart about how these sorts of twists go down. I think it also very intentionally gave you Tarlock's insulted as all get out yeah. eyes when yep. Cora suggested he was like Amon. How dare I think that you? Was, yeah, that was essentially like a we know you guys could think about going here hmm. but not, I don't want to discount your theory entirely because I don't think that the bloodbending part of it is necessarily wrong just because Amon and Tarlock are different people because we got more flashback this week and uh, finally new flashback Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems that a lot of bloodbending went down at this trial. Um, I'm not sure who's being bloodbended or who's attempting to bloodbend. It, it looked like, like Aang was being bloodbended. Well, it looked like to Sokka, too. Yeah, it looks like something maybe. was happening. And I, I, the thing is, like, if nobody knew Tarlock could do this, this could have really... Um, he could have like been pulling the strings for a very long time, hmm. and who knows what that situation is. Yeah, everybody voting without saying anything starts yep. to look really yep. suspicious. That's true. Yeah, I, I, that felt really out of character to me. Yeah, I think in that flashback you see Yakone and the people in the background are like f- either frozen or trying to move. Uh-huh. I think he might have been bloodbending everyone in the room, which is scary. And I know that thinking back to the other flashbacks, we see Aang in the Avatar state. And I wonder if he was pushed to that or that was that happened because of Yakon's bloodbending powers or mm. something, if he was able to push him into that. Um, because it sounded like catastrophe occurred when, when this w- trial went down. Um, so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm yeah. particularly intrigued by that. I mean, we're still, I guess, bloodbending, even though the rules about how to do it has changed, it still seems like uh, evil inherently. Like one of those inherently evil powers. Oh, yeah, it's it's like the uh, the curse in Harry Potter, the 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 killing curse, or what what is it? Well, the unforgivable curses. Yeah. There's a few of them, but I mean, there's also like, is it like the blue fire, where it's like one of those specializations that is just inherently evil? <laughs> like, are, are there no good bloodbenders? Has Katara been bloodbending for medical purposes? <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping Yakone is an evil doctor. That Katara taught to bloodbend. And, but, you know, after that episode with Hama in the original series, it seemed like Katara was pretty much dead set on never bloodbending ever again. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have to... Katara's alive, so I think we're going to have to run across her again. If not, uh, her daughter, who's also a waterbender. Oh, God, I'm not even going to try to remember what her name is. <laughs> fear of what you guys are going to say to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we have to go figure out what happened to bloodbending as we're happening, uh, to, uh, I don't know. There's either going to be, you know, we're going to have to deal with bloodbending or we're going to deal with whatever is giving people powers they're not supposed to have. That might mm-hmm. be a singular thing too, hmm. like a MacGuffin. That's or really a, interesting. Anti-spirit. That's, well, that, that, that could yeah. be the way for the spirit world to, to be playing a bigger role in this world before like we've talked about this and then you could go back to like um you know any of the creatures they talked to before back in the spirit world yeah or you could have a just a specifically mischievous one like mm-hmm. a loki of this universe that is yeah causing that's really interesting that all these powers are kind of rooted in the same place it's almost like hey why doesn't some evil spirit granted a bunch of people powers is like go kill yourselves humanity 
and just <laughs> throw it throw it out yeah. there. The whole world. And is by in the shambles. way, open the doorway for the spirit world to come into you know the actual. World yeah, that's really interesting. Well, that pretty much puts the kibosh on my uh, Tarlock as a monster. <laughs> Although the other reason I thought it was interesting is, and I was telling you guys about this, is that um, I thought it would be fascinating to have Tarlock be a mon so that he could amp up one side of the conflict um, to give purpose to hit to Tarlock's mission. Uh-huh. So if he if Tarlock was a mon, a mon could solidify the non-benders as this entity that needs to be crushed so that tar- as Tarlock, he could step in and wipe them yeah. off the planet. And, no, and I, I do incarcerate feel like them. they're working together in some way, right? Like, they don't have to be the same person, but it definitely seems like Tarlock... Like, you look at that jailbreak sequence, right? Um, where, like, what, the Equalists uh, broke out and there were no cops. And it was only Team Avatar to find them. Um, then uh, a couple episodes ago to the one where you know, Korra was on his squad and they took down this equalist uh, camp very easily. You know, there's a lot of fishy things going on here and it seems like they can both benefit hmm. from this conflict. But that might be in competition with your Magneto uh, Xavier. Perhaps, perhaps. Magneto was always, always had his best interests at heart. Like, he played right. everybody. So he, I, I think, like, he, he could allow Tarlock to think he's being a pawn in Tarlock's overall scheme and then, you know, come out with his own thing. It's just, these are all the various things I'm juggling in my head right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm more on the side of Tarlock is using, you know, anti-equalist fervor definitely for his own purposes. Yeah, but I, yeah. I could picture Mon getting just super pissed off that stuff's being done in his name. Um, hmm. Like, you know, like in my mind, that jailbreak was 100% Tarlock. Like there wasn't yeah, a Mon, yeah. there wasn't any Mon, there wasn't any equalists behind it. It was just all for show so he could get this other uh, law passed. And so I could see a Mon, you know, being like, how dare you try to play me? You know, I'm taking your bending away. <laughs> no, I will blood blend you. Yeah. Stand still. The other, they're, and uh, then they, oh. they all do the can-can <laughs> and we fade out. <laughs> You know, I and we touched upon this, but just to kind of wrap up here, that fight scene at the end was um, pretty pretty wicked. Uh, and I I really like Cora in that moment, or not really like Cora. I didn't like her, but she she scared me, uh, and I, I, love, I was worried I that she that. was going to go Avatar state or something, and really like uh-huh. do something horrible that she was going to regret. And I'm I'm always in constant fear of that with her, and I and I like that about her character because that will really help her develop a spiritual side eventually and, and fulfill that but what were you saying yeah I, I, maybe more than the avatar state like she is in danger of she could be somebody who ends up killing somebody yeah. inadvertently and that is like to me that is a more powerful and interesting for her thing for her to deal with rather than you know oh, i may or may not turn into this you know crazy light monster thingy so i i think that's going to happen at some point it could be tarlock eventually i do love that fight though it's just so knock down drag out like the point where she just like uh what earth bends the wall to get rid of his water um i i kind of i just love yeah and it it hurts more than some of the other fights even in the previous scene like she gets cut on the face he just looks like a disaster after fighting her and he's hanging there Mm -hmm. and in that instance you're right davinder it's like is she gonna kill him i was i I thought that might actually happen even though Mm -hmm. this is a nickelodeon show as so many people have referenced (laughs) no one could ever die on a nickelodeon show um but (laughs) that fear is there and i congratulate the people who crafted this episode because to have that in the wake of the baggage that comes with the show like that's a great moment yeah this is definitely the most exciting episode about politics that i've seen on television (laughs) for a while (laughs) this will be shown in in schools someday 
<laughs> What's the difference between fascism and communism? Well, let's watch The Legend of Korra. <laughs> One air. Uh, if only history class had been as interesting when I was younger. Uh, well, I think that about wraps things up. Any, any more highlights from this episode that stood out? Any more theories for the future? Uh, let's see. There was good, um, a good uh, Naga chasing Pabu and having <laughs> playful moments uh, uh-huh. that I really enjoyed. And then, you know, some nice Naga physical comedy for those of us that were lacking. Uh, I, I, I had made that suggestion and I was very happy to be uh, satisfied by Naga in this episode. You know, I also love seeing sky bisons. I don't know about you guys, but every time like when Tenzin flies a sky bison, I'm like, oh, remember the old love show? That. Love that. Yep, that. yep, Papa. Yep, yep, yep. I loved when the uh, the kids were on Nagas too. Um, yep, 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 yipping on Nagas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little things, and little things like that. Yep, yep. And, and Nagos just had that look on her face, like when you play with a like dog's ears, where they're just like, "I'm putting up with it, whatever." Right. I, I, uh, the other thing that I wanted to quickly mention was Saikon and how I don't think we'll see much of him, but uh, another great bit of comedy, and I love my favorite character is Tenzin. Uh, and just when he gets his moments of comedy and moments of, of where he can lose his high and mighty, I am a spiritual man, I'm an airbender, and he can kind of just be a guy. So when he yells at Saikon and says that he's the worst, I just love that ever. stuff. Yeah, worst ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> oh, J.K. Simmons. Fantastic. Well, I think that about wraps up this episode. We'll be back next week with... Uh, Ooh, yes, we yeah, will. What is, what is happening? Out of the past... Uh, June 9th, out of the past, Korra tries to understand her visions. Tenzin and Ling Baifong search for equalist hostages. So no Lin, no hey Lin in this oh episode. Um, oh, we're getting we're getting uh, Baifong signal plus Tenzin as Robin. It looks like, and uh, I'm <laughs> I'm in. That is, that is going to be a fun adventure. Well, it sounds like then the show will actually have to cha- jump perspectives. It usually just sticks with Korra, and wherever she is, mm-hmm. we get to see that. Um, but it it sounds like we'll have multi-tiered storylines in this episode as yeah, she's kind whoever, of incap- incarcerated somewhere and there's another exactly. adventure. Exactly. Whoever suggested she might spend a lot of this episode meditating, I think he might be... <laughs> uh, might be right on. I don't, I don't mind. Meditation episode. Time, time for more Aang with a beard. <laughs> I'm, I'm game. Uh, well, that about wraps things up. Why don't, why don't we uh, sign off here? Davindra... Yes, uh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Devendra. I podcast about movies and TV at slash film.com. And I write about technology at venturebeat.com. Everything else I do is at devendra.org. Awesome. Dave? Hey, I'm uh, DA7E. That is also where you could find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm doing a lot of writing about Iron Man 3 at <laughs> latino-review.com and do a weekly podcast with Mr. Patches and two other fine folks about pop culture and movies. Uh, we covered Snow White and the Huntsman this week and talk about whether or not girly is a bad thing. So you could uh, <laughs> go to opkino.com and check that out. Awesome. And I am Matt Patches. I'm the movies editor of Hollywood.com. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Patches. You can find me on Operation Kino with Dave. And you can find me on Tumblr at mattpatches.com. And that wraps up this week. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in, for all your support, for all the comments, for all the theories. Um, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a nice message there. Uh, just Republic City Dispatch. Uh, we're on Tumblr, republiccitydispatch.com. And um, we'll be back next week. 